This is Fritz of Whiskey Dick. You're tuned to Underground Opolis. Hoo-hee-haw. Underground everybody. That time again where we celebrate the music you never do you do you love. We go to the people that get excited about the bottom three lines on the flyer on the concert flyer. We are we are the underground. We are not the mainstream. And this is gonna be a good night because we're gonna be discussing the on the ridge, good vibes and tribes, music and arts festival. I'm doing I'm I'm covering this whole event. And I'm really excited to be doing it. And well, I'll have a description, a, a link in the description of where you can get tickets. It's a four-day fest, camping included. It's going to be a great, great weekend. It's in June, so it's not entirely too hot, but <laughs> also won't be cold. And doesn't matter because we'll still party. If you like this show, be sure to click the thumbs up button down there. If you want to support this show for as little as 99 cents a month, you can go to the Underground Opolis FM page, Anchor FM page, and there's a link there where you can do that. Because believe it or not, this isn't free to do. So we thank you guys. Everybody supports us. Thank you, StreamYard. Thank you, Anchor FM, and the viewers and listeners that do support. From my next guest, I just, I'll just let them introduce themselves. How about that? Tell us who you are from. Sandy Hook, Kentucky. Moonlight Mile. Where? We're from Sandy Hook, Kentucky. Damn. I know, right? Yeah. Middle of nowhere. Hometown of Keith Whitley. So how did you all come together? How did Moonlight Mile come together? Um, we actually uh, started... Back last year, about June or July, we, me and I, I've been looking for a band to get get a band started. I moved back to Kentucky after many years of not living here, um, and I tried a few different little bands. Um, nothing really stuck, um, and just kept trying to get musicians to stick with me and actually, you know, commit to doing something other than just playing in, in their house. And uh, got a hold of Shane after many years. I'm like, dude, do you still play Dobro? I remember this little kid that was at church when I was like 18, 19 years old, and he played Dobro. And I just happened to add Shane. Uh, I think I added you again, or were we already friends? I can't remember. Uh, you added me again. Okay. And I just said, hey, dude, you still got that Dobro? And he said, yeah. I said, well, come over. Let's jam a little bit. Didn't think a lot of it. We just we got oh. together and we played. I had a good time and um, and really just from there it came it came from there. We uh. Literally, with we are not even doing a solid year, and we're we just got a word that we're booked on a show with Dwight Yoakam in September. Uh, wow! 
So it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, we've been doing this not even a year. <laughs> yeah, so hell yeah. Pretty, pretty good. So how, how do you describe the music you create? It's rock bluegrass. I mean, alternative. Uh, yeah. uh, 90s alternative, like that sort of style. I'm like, when you say alternative now, if you turn on the alternative station, it's not what I would consider alternative anymore, but it's kind of that taking like 90s grunge alternative classic rock and mixing it with bluegrass instruments um, and also influenced just by living, growing up in Appalachia and all the things, the societal things that go along with um, being a part of, uh, of Appalachian culture. I can't wait to hear you, man. <laughs> or hear you live. I can't wait to hear you live, I guess I should right, say. You. If, you, uh, if you were at one time in your life and both of you can have different answers, and you can have more than one answer for this question. If, what, did you ever see somebody on stage or even on TV or anything like that, and you said, I want to do that. I want to be a musician. Who would that be? Honestly, for me, as a kid, I grew up idolizing Josh Gray and watching the White Little Stars and the Spike Show and the Tommy Act and all across the United States. The family balls, like, you know, more than a decade. Playing show after show and was making a movie playing music. And uh, Josh played the dub for me, and I thought that looked like a lot of fun. You know, so I would watch the old shows and stuff they did. People were really excited, you know, to hear them. It looked like a lot of fun. And then I guess later on, I got to be a teenager, you know, like Metallica uh, and Wayne Simpson and, you know, all the rock groups. You know, that was a lot, really a lot of energy in that for me. So seeing those guys up on stage really killed me, you know, just really made me want to be a part of it. Um, for me, to be honest, I, I didn't really like bluegrass or country at all growing up. Like, literally, if anything, like, it, it kind of annoyed me. I worked at this little store called the IGA, IGA in Sandy Hook. It used to be IGAs all over. I know there's not as many as there used to be, but it was like our hometown uh, and they, and they, that was the grocery store and they played like nineties country. And I like some of those songs, I just literally loathed, like literally just could not stand. And it was, it, it would bring me back to the time that I was miserable working this really awful job. I'll give you one guess. Like the background while, while we're on the road. Yeah. <laughs> we actually, I actually like it now, which is crazy. I kind of like it now. Uh, but I hated it then, and uh, I was really into heavy rock and, and, and grunge, like Nevermind was, like, Nirvana's Nevermind was the first album that I kind of really like. I was, Kurt Cobain died when I was 11, uh, but it was uh, it was really pivotal point for me, even at 11 years old. <laughs> and Nevermind was like the sound of my teenage anger and, and angst and, and, uh, and the Pearl Jams, uh, Smashing Pumpkins, uh, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, uh, Dinosaur Jr., all those like 90s alternative bands. And then I slowly got into uh, a lot of classic rock, Pink Floyd, Hendrix. Um, I'm an electric guitar player, actually. And that was the plan to create an electric rock band again. But it, it turned into this. And I, as I, I, got, I got a little older. I got back into bluegrass, got into Ralph Stanley and, and all that sort of stuff and um, got back into my roots. So everything I'm doing now is a kind of a conglomerate of all that um, all that music kind of tied into one thing. We have a common bond now because as a teenager, I was a grocery carryout for IG in Clay, Kentucky. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I can, I can tell you. The guy that they got, like, I seriously still tell this story today. Uh, Roger Gillum, if you're out there and you're watching this, uh, 
go fuck yourself. But anyway, um, (laughs) that was my, uh, he would literally like, I'd be like, he was awful. He was the most horrible human being ever. That was my, uh, the manager. Early on, Ison Brothers were great. They used to own this place, and they sold it off to this guy, Roger Gillen, who was the most cankerous, angry, son of a bitch you'll ever meet. Um, and he would literally say things to me like, he yeah, he like, he like threatened to knock me across the road. That was his thing. He's like, boy, every time I see you mopping that floor, I just want to knock you across the road. I'm like, what does that even mean for one? And two, why did oh yeah, the little fat, the little fat kid? Because it was easy. It's easy to take on a little fat kid for his boppy ability. Uh, he used to like threaten to to punch me over like mopping and and opening the door incorrectly. And he would also creepily put his hand on people. But I'm not going to get into that. Uh, maybe, he, was, he was a little. He was a little. He was he was a jerk. He was absolute asshole. And so. 90s country only reminded me of Roger Gillum until, I don't know, maybe I finally got over it. Shenandoah, I think, was a big part of that. Shenandoah, I, I really like the Two Dozen Roses. It's kind of hard to not like that song. You know, it really is. So, yeah. <laughs> All that stuff. And we're from the hometown of Keith Whitley. So even though I wasn't a huge country fan when I was younger, as I got older, you kind of like, Keith becomes like your the soundtrack to everything because it's played everywhere and like that's you know it's this really small little town in the middle of nowhere like 45 minutes away from walmart we live literally that far away from anything into the hills and so uh keith you grow up with it and so it kind of becomes part of uh your history too because it's the only thing that it's ever came out of sandy hook that really uh, went anywhere and it seems like in the last, what, 10 years, Keith's actually got more notoriety than what he was whenever. I mean, I remember when I first moved away, no one knew who Keith really was. But now I see it on t- little TikToks of, like, 15-year-old girls talking about Keith Whitley, you know. And uh, that's a big deal because he's, yeah, he's become even more like, legendary. I think you've given enough information to write an entire song and call it right. Roger Gillum. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you'd do that. I, I totally think you should do that. I really, really do. <laughs> this is my payback. Roger, Roger. Roger, Roger. <laughs> so I, I'm not even clowning around. I definitely think you should do that, man. I think it would. Roger Dillon, the song with Roger. He also had a bow cut, too. Like, it looks like his wife did his, like a bow on his head and, like, just cut his hair at that little, 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 little. I see the guy on Facebook. I didn't add him, but I see the picture. He did come up, like, and suggested people you might know, and he still has that same haircut, like, to this day. That's part of his brand. It is. His brand is the bow cut. Yeah. I mean, you know, do what you got to do. Mm-hmm. Right. It didn't work out too well. It, he finally bankrupt the place and it shut down now. Anyway, when you pick on little fat kids, boys, you see what happens to you? You lose your you lose your IGA. It's gonna be hilarious if you actually see this, you know. <laughs> anyway, back to the Yeah, back to the music festival. <laughs> Where all have you played so far? Um, as a band or like in life? As, 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 as Moonlight Mile. Uh, we were on Red Barn Radio. Uh, oh wow! Two months ago, we played the Empty Glass, Charleston. Empty Glass is a historic place in Charleston. We played uh, Twist. We played Twist Court quite a bit in Lexington. We played the venue. We're going to be we're scheduled for them again. We played Alley on Main. We're going to be playing on with them again. 
I just got a message from Thatcher's Barbecue, which is a decent, a pretty, they're getting to be a little bigger up in, I think they're in Jackson. They just messaged me. They're going to be having us out. I think they've had Drake and Farley out recently. Sam, Sam Jam, and yeah, there's a big bluegrass festival called Sam Jam, and I've gotten really connected to Sammy Carr. He really digs this, and he's been really helping promote us. And he's he's talking to a big promoter out in Manchester. I, he's not giving me names yet. I have an idea who it is, but trying to get us on some uh, promotions out that way. And um, we're, we got nine festivals booked this summer. Um, so um, we're going, we're playing all over. Uh, we just, we're so new, people don't really know us yet, but we've been getting on these bills that are bigger than a lot of the other people around us and not, yeah. not pat ourselves in the back. But uh, we've been blessed and it's, it's a time thing, the timing thing. I've been doing music for years and Shane has been playing Dobro for years. Um, and it's just the timing. It was time to do it. So. What would you say? Would you say Moonlight Miles' favorite show ever played was? Tobacco Festival was pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, yeah. Wanting to be on that stage, and then I got to be up there. We did. We got to play the Tobacco Festival. We got to play the Tobacco Festival the first, like, within a few months of us starting. Um, our first, our first gig was the Keith Whitley Scholarship fundraiser for Dwight Whitley, which is Keith's brother. A really good guy. Yeah. Our, we get a lot of friends with Allies Farm. Oh, we love working. Oh, working. The, the, the kids, the, I think it's uh, Aloha Cowboy yeah. and Cameron and some of those guys, they're, yeah, they're kind of going to be involved with this festival that you're talking about as well. And uh, we, oh, we yeah. had a good time with them as well. We've had a lot of good ones. I, for me, it's Red Barn Radio. I, I've been, when, once I've and hearing Tyler Childers on there and, and then getting yeah. to play that was really was really cool and um it's going to be this September at Foxfire when we when we play on that stage with Dwight uh Dwight Yoakum um open super opening up like we're not going to be playing with Dwight we're just, we're going to be on the same stage really. also with that event this is this there might there may or may not be an, a bigger artist that they've not confirmed yet but if they can get him it will be huge. A very uh, well-known gentleman that plays an old beat-up guitar and and uh, enjoys marijuana a lot. Um, <laughs> it's Snoop Dogg, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> You'll never get <laughs> Got to be Snoop Dogg, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. That's exactly right. I love his character. The character he created is Snoop Dogg is genius. The whole thing, the brains, the way he carries himself. Maybe that's just him. I don't know, but his greatness. Well, here's the counter question. Here's the counter question. What? What's your least favorite show? The family Sunday thing where the family system went. Good talk and the rain. That was terrible. Yeah, actually, I put together I put together an event for in Sandy Hook for the fire department benefit, and the sound system was awful. That the guy, the guy, the guy was trying to pedal off this old sound system that was like on his yeah. last legs to the fire department. He was trying to sell it to the fire department uh, for them to do events, and he's like, "Here, I'll just run sound for you. Can see how great my sound system was." And it like kept printed out for like every single show, every single uh, person and up until the point that it was our turn to, to be up there. 
and there was nobody to even run. There was nobody to run our sound. It was pouring the rain. The sound was going in and out. People were sleeping sheltered. It was so awful. And then at the end of the night, I just about got in a fight with the guy who owns the motel there. And, and yeah, I was falling asleep. Everything was peaceful. I thought we were done for the night. The sun is saying, Aloha Cowboy is on stage. Aloha I, Cowboy came down. I kind of you know, drifting off. I was worn out. And then I'll, <laughs> I hear a <laughs> Being the guy that owns the, the hotel there in San Diego got the fight uh, because he wanted it to sh- be shut down. Because yeah, Aloha yeah, Cowboy yeah. was playing at like 10 o'clock and it was like super duper loud. Yeah, our drummer kicked in and that was the end of that. It was really loud and he was pissed. But he agreed to let us do this. Right. But then he was trying to shut it down early. It was supposed to go to midnight and we actually were going to be done earlier and he was trying to shut us down and I got really upset because it's like, dude. You have driven a long way. From Berea yeah. out to Sandy Hook, which is about what, hour and a half, yeah. two hours? And they had loaded up a lot of gear and they stayed up time for a Quite a while with the drug kid rock. A lot more than us. Yeah. <laughs> a lot more work. And so we were kind of upset for them too because they, they came and they didn't even, we didn't pay him. We didn't pay anybody. None of us had any money. Uh, yeah, they were it's all benefit. And uh, yeah, the that was probably the worst thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was good decisions involved. The hell yeah. The fire department here in The way they're getting What's your favorite song to play live? I, I like to play my song Heroin. That's probably my favorite. It's a, it's, oh, it's, a it's a bluegrass song and do, drop D. So and we break it down into blues. Yeah. So it's pretty. It's pretty cool. Do you have a song that's real, real personal to you? I have a couple. I, I, there's one song I, I barely ever play out because it's about uh, our little girl that died. My, mine and my wife's uh, first child that passed away. Um, I don't play it very often because it's just kind of hard to play at bars. People are, you know, being loud and making noise and stuff. And I, it, certain certain types of venues, I'll play that that one. And then we also have a song called uh, "And the Band Plays On," uh, which is pretty political. Uh, it speaks on Black Lives Matter. It speaks on uh, transgender issues. It speaks on LGBTQ and and kind of how those things um, and poverty and kind of how uh, extreme right. Uh, political culture doesn't seem to understand those things or uh, can sometimes be derogatory in their response to those things and sometimes we don't we don't play that at all at just any bar because it can kind of cost but it is a very personal song and it's the right place to do it. We wrote I know you guys you guys speak it he said the line is uh you guys speak louder oh. yeah you're speaking real quiet I thought it no um you gotta talk loud it, it was a line about the steel mill closing down in Ashland, was it Ashland? Yeah. yeah, she wrote, but he wrote that line. Yeah, that. I'm just giving him shit because he, he did write that line for that song. So I just, I just like giving him shit because I say the, the things that he wrote is the stuff that he, he is the most, uh, most, he likes to say it the most. <laughs> <laughs> I like to say the part growing cold because it's yeah. nothing that John wrote that's slow. That, well, that gives me a chance that's true. to play you, traditional dobro on that. What's really nice. You can kind of kick ass on that, too. There's a song I wrote. It's about a lot of the suicides that happened, uh, family members and friends. And we do it at the end of every show, and it's got a big, huge ending. And, um, and yeah, that's a good yeah, song. That's a good Would you say you prefer the studio or the stage? To be honest, we haven't really played on in, in very many studios uh, no, I, I have sales. I've recorded like with bands and stuff and changed it a little bit too but um, we've not got our we've not even cut a full studio album yet no. 
No, so, yeah, what we have was a one-take thing. We literally got that. What's what's on the internet right now? There's one thing that we recorded at home. The sound apart growing coat we recorded at home, and the whole live album that we released, we recorded that live in one take on a bridge in Sandy Hook. Fat Cave Studios came down, recorded it all live in one take. It was supposed to be one song, but they were like, "That's awesome! Please do more." And we did five songs in one take, and we just released it as an album. So we've not actually did a studio album. So I would definitely say live for us has been the best. Yeah, as long as there's people there, it's kind of lame whenever there's nobody that shows up. Even if some of these some of these bar gigs, it's weird. Like some of the ones that pay the best, you go there and there's like nobody there, and they pay real well, but nobody's there. Um, if we get a packed house, we tend to sell more merch than we can make. Um, from the venue itself, so we pre- we would appreciate sometimes not getting paid as much and get a full crowd so we can uh, sell merch. Especially people that are music fans. They're like, some people come to these bars, they want the band to be background noise. And we're not a background noise band. We do we do demand attention, so we kind of like heckle and say, oh, yeah. say shit from the stage yeah. until somebody <laughs> responds to it. Because <laughs> sometimes you have to, you got to do more. Well, guys, we're starting to work. Got it close on time. Got anything you want to add in before we wrap it up? Bandcamp, any anything like that? Show dates? It, but now's your time to plug them in. We are really we're trying to raise money for our studio album. Um, there is talk that we may get picked up by a record company, but in, as of right now, we're still trying to raise money for a studio album. So, if we do end up getting picked up by a record company, all the money will go towards the video. We're going to record a, a, a live, a big video for a song called Trailer Park Paradise. It's going to be recorded in a trailer park. Just fun and funny, and and it's also got a really good message all together. Uh, and so we're trying to raise money for that. Go on to Moonlight Mile Facebook. It's uh, w, w, you know facebook.com uh, backslash Moonlight Mile KY, uh, and you can find you can find the link. I'm going to pin it to the the front if you guys want to. If you guys like us and you like the music, um, donate because we really like to cut our studio album as soon as possible.
killing floor. Dust and bones. 